I remember when my parents gave me my first Bible, one that belonged to me, had my name engraved in it, and I remember how excited I was as a child to have my very own copy of the Word of God. But little did I know, when I was holding my Bible, my first Bible in my hands, little did I know that I was holding the key that unlocks closeness with God. I was holding in my hands the key to experiencing God in a mighty, mighty way. And you may not be aware this morning that that Bible that is on your lap or the Bible that's on your electronic device that you're swiping to right now, you may not be aware of the power of the Word of God to allow you to experience God in a mighty, mighty way. And I want to talk to you about that this morning as we continue our study on the doctrine of the Trinity. I want to talk to you about the Trinity and the Bible. So keeping that in mind, turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse 12. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples on the night when he was betrayed by Judas. John chapter 16, verse 12 is where we will begin reading. Now, just quick orientation. If you look at your notes, if you look at the date at the top of your notes, the date is wrong. Does everyone see the wrong date there? Uh, the date I originally intended to preach this sermon was uh, the Sunday that I decided, uh, led by the Spirit, to go in a different direction and talk to you about all that's going on in our nation and to look at the events in our nation from a biblical perspective. And if you want to listen to that sermon, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, you can go to our website or go to our podcast. It's titled Pastoral Admonitions. And I had a great amount of feedback from that sermon. And so if you weren't able to listen to it, I hope you will listen to it because it's uh, um, uh, important that we think through the issues that uh, are raised in our nation and that we looked at from a biblical perspective on that day. So what we did is we just, the notes were already printed for that Sunday. We just set them aside. And to save money and paper, we just brought them back out for this week. Is that okay? Okay. So how many didn't even notice the date was wrong? How many just had no idea? Okay. How many OCD folks said the date's wrong? I saw it right away. Anybody? Okay. All right. Good deal. All right. John chapter 16, verse 12. I want to ask you this morning if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Love this passage. Excited to preach to you. This sermon is, uh, is a couple weeks old, so I am, I am just thrilled to be able to preach it to you today. John 16, verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now you say, what things did he have to say to them? Well, I believe he's talking here about the rest of the New Testament, but we'll get into that a little bit later. When the Spirit of truth comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has, so we see Jesus speaking, He's mentioned the Holy Spirit, but now He mentions the Father. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will... Take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray together this morning.
Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and we are grateful, Lord, for the privilege of corporate worship. Lord, that we are able to get together and sing of our crucified and resurrected Lord. We are able to gather together and sing, Hallelujah, the Lamb has overcome. Help us, Lord, never to lose sight of the great privilege, the great opportunity, the great joy that is ours in gathering together for corporate worship. And now, Lord, as we continue to worship, we look into your word. We ask that you would help us to understand your word by your spirit. We ask that you would set our souls on fire. Give us a deeper understanding of who you are. Give us a deeper hunger for your word. And Lord, help us to understand the the potential of God's word to unlock great experiences with you, our triune God. May Jesus Christ be exalted in this place. The one who died for our sins, the one who rose from the grave, the one who is the only hope for our lives, the only hope for our nation, the only hope for our world. Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up. And we ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. This passage is interesting for a variety of reasons. Did you you notice how all three persons of the Godhead are mentioned? Jesus here is talking, and he mentions the role of the Spirit in guiding the disciples into all truth. And he mentions that the things that Jesus had been teaching were things he had received from the Father. So we see here in this text, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, this verse is commented on in the ESV Study Bible. I want you to hear what the ESV Study Bible has to say about this passage that we just read. The phrase that the Spirit would guide into all truth is a promise especially directed toward these 11 disciples he's talking to. Judas had already left to uh, close the deal on the betrayal of Christ. And it, this, this promise, finds its particular fulfillment in the subsequent work of these disciples in personally writing or overseeing the writing of the books of the New Testament. The promise also, listen, has a broader application to all believers, that's us in this room, as the Holy Spirit leads and guides them into all truth. So I want you to see here that this passage entails the Word of God and it shows the roles of the Trinity in delivering the Word of God to us. Now, we've been walking through a sermon series this summer titled Father, Son, Spirit, a study on the Trinity. And I've given you a working definition uh, that we've used to guide us through this entire series. not in your notes this morning, but let me just remind you what that working definition is. The Bible teaches, we talk about the Trinity, that there is one true God eternally existing in three co-equal persons. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's what we mean when we say the Trinity. That's a, a definition, uh, if you will, of the doctrine of the Trinity. And I want to show you how the triune God, all three persons of the Godhead, one God, three persons, how all three persons of the Godhead are at work in giving us the Bible and helping us to engage the Bible, uh, subsequently engaging God himself. So what I want to do is I want to pose and then answer three questions about God's Word. The first question is, how did we get the Bible? It's a good question, isn't it? The second question is, what is the Bible about? And the third question is, 
What happens when we know and obey God's Word? Three simple questions, three profound answers that come directly from the Scriptures. And so let's answer that first question. How did we get the Bible? Why is this book a special book? Uh, how, how did we come to have this book in 66 uh, books uh, in one canon of Scripture? Well, let me give you some, some, some biblical answers to that question. First of all, God the Father, again we're thinking about the Trinity, how all three persons of the Trinity were involved in giving us the Bible. God the Father spoke through Jesus during his earthly ministry. During his earthly ministry. Look over with me in John 14. John 14, verse 24. Look what Jesus says about this. He says, Whoever does not love me, and more on this a little bit later, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So here's what Jesus is saying. This is so critical. Jesus is saying... All of these teachings you hear coming from my mouth have been received from my Father. So the Father gave the truth to the Son. The Son taught that truth in His earthly ministry. Things like the Sermon on the Mount and other great passages where Jesus Christ teaches people truth. He gets the truth He's teaching from, directly from, the Father. And so God the Father spoke through Jesus during His earthly uh, ministry. Now, the question becomes, okay, these words that we have of his teaching uh, in the Gospels, you know, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, other teaching passages, how do we know that those are accurate representations of what Jesus actually said? That's a good question, isn't it? How do we know that what's in the Gospels, the teachings of Christ, how do we know that it's actually what Jesus said? Well, that leads us to the next truth. God the Father spoke through human instruments by the Spirit to give us all the books of the Bible. So, God was working through human instruments to record the Gospels and subsequently the teachings of Christ. And God was working through human instruments to give us all 66 books of Scripture. All 66 books of the Bible. So turn with me. Let me show you this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look what it says in verse 16. The Bible says all Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, your translation may say inspired by God. I like how the ESV words it because that's a closer representation of the original language. All Scripture is is breathed out by God. The the word breathed out in the Greek language is theo, where we get the word, uh, this Greek word for God, theos, and noustos, which is the word for breath. And that word is a compound word, theonoustos. So it literally means all Scripture is breathed out by God. It is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So this, this verse tells us that the scriptures were given to us by God through human instruments. And God was working through the human instruments, breathing through them, if you will, by His Spirit, so that, they, so that when they were writing down the words that we have collected in our Bible, they were writing down exactly what God wanted them to write down. That's what is meant by the doctrine of inspiration. God breathing through human instruments by the Holy Spirit to give us the books of the Bible. But how do you know that he breathed 
and work through them by the Spirit. Well, look what it says over in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. This is Peter talking here. I want you to notice this claim that Jesus makes about the Word of God. Peter says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so Peter's saying, These things we've told you about Jesus are not made up. We had a front row seat. We were there to see the works of Christ. We heard his teaching. We we felt his touch. We experienced Jesus personally. We are eyewitnesses of the ministry of Christ. Look what he says next. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, Peter's talking about the Mount Mount of Transfiguration. When Peter was on that mountain, uh, he was transfigured. He, He shone with his glory before the disciples, Peter, James, and John, who Jesus took on the mountain with him. And they heard the voice of the Father speaking of his Son, with whom he is well pleased. And Peter's saying, hey, we were on the mountain. We saw his glory. We saw his radiance. We heard the voice from heaven. We were eyewitnesses. But look what he says next. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. You know what he's saying there? Peter's saying, we saw Jesus with our eyes. We heard Jesus with our ears. We were there on the Mount of Transfiguration, but we have a word from God, a prophetic word that is more sure than our experience. Now, experiences can be misinterpreted, can't they? They can be forgotten. They can be misremembered. I mean, you can can forget parts of an experience, but Peter's saying we have the word of God which does not fade away with time and memory. It is there for us to build our lives upon. Peter's saying the word of God, listen, is more sure than my experience of being on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And look what he says next. To which you will do well to pay attention. Hey, let me give you a quick admonition as your pastor when it comes to the Word of God. You would do well to pay attention to the Word of God. Amen? You would do well to pay attention to the Word of God. He says, As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So the Bible is not some man sitting down writing great thoughts that come into his mind. No, look what he says. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the writers of the prophetic word made more sure. The writers of the Bible were carried along by the Spirit, so they were writing down exactly what God wanted them to write down. By the way, that's why we say that the Bible is not only inspired by God, it's inerrant. Because if God was in the writing process, so they were writing down exactly what he wanted them to write down, we know that God's perfect and God doesn't make mistakes, right? So what they wrote down, the Bible, is truth with no mixture of error. It's perfect. It's the inerrant word of God. So someone says, do you believe there was a a literal man named Adam and a literal woman named Eve, the first people in humanity? Uh, Absolutely. Because the Bible tells me so. Do you believe that Jonah was swallowed by 
a great fish? Yes, the Bible tells me so. Do you believe that Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel in a showdown with the prophets of Baal and God answered with fire from heaven that consumed the altar? Absolutely. The Bible tells me so. Do you believe that Jesus came to this earth wrapped in human flesh, lived a perfect life, and went to the cross and died for your sins? Yes, the Bible tells me so. Do you believe that Jesus Christ actually walked out of his tomb, that he rose from the grave, bodily resurrected, victory over death. Yes, the Bible tells me so. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? Oh, I know Jesus loves me. You know why? The Bible tells me so. I believe the Bible. It's, it's given to us by the breathing of God through human instruments, and it is truth with no mixture of error. And so, how do we get the Bible? God gave it to us. The Bible is God's Word. God speaking through human instruments. And by the way, the Bible has proven itself through centuries of attacks and criticisms and doubts and skeptics. The Bible just keeps proving its veracity and truthfulness. I was in a hospital room recently talking to a lady who doesn't appear she has much time left on this earth. And I shared the good news with her about how Jesus loves her and died on the cross for her sins and rose from the grave. And she, she presented some doubts and she asked about science and, and called into question the veracity of the Word of God. And I was able to say to her, very briefly, I was able to say to her, Ma'am, the Bible has stood the test of time. It has proven itself over and over and over and over and over again. It has been under attack now for centuries, listen to me, and not one verse has been proven untrue. Not one verse! And there are people that really want to dispel the Bible. But the Bible has stood the test of time. Why? It's God's book! God's book, the atheist philosopher Voltaire said that his writings, his philosophies would put an end to Christianity. Well, guess what? In the home that Voltaire used to live, there's a Bible production company now. Take that, Voltaire. How do we get the Bible? God spoke through his son, Jesus Christ. His words were recorded in the Gospels, and God spoke through other human instruments to give us all of God's Word. Genesis through Revelation. That's how we got the Bible. That's why the Bible is such a special book. This is not just some other religious option out there. This is God's Word breathed through human instruments to us. Now here's the second question. What is the Bible about? How would you sum up the teachings of the Bible? Because... There are 66 books, and there are different genres, right? I mean, you have history, and you have poetry, and you have epistles, which is a fancy word for letters. You have all these different types of books. So, so, so I mean, how do you come to one unifying message when you look at the Word of God? Let me give you this, this thought, and this will really help you and really bless you. You ready? The 66 books of the Bible form one amazing story of redemption. It's another thing that's amazing about the Bible. 
the unity of Scripture, how it all fits together. It forms one amazing story of redemption. And the story of redemption, listen to me, the story of what God has done to save us culminates in the work of Christ. Consider Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, listen, to unite all things in Him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. And so here's what Ephesians is saying. God has one plan of redemption for humanity. And this plan is is summed up, it culminates in the finished work of Jesus. And when it's all said and done, and the dust settles on human history, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's all about Him. It all culminates in His work. And so what does this mean? It means the entire Bible points to the person and saving work of Jesus Christ. The entire Bible. Genesis, Judges, read in my Bible this morning, 2 Chronicles, Psalms, Proverbs, Amos, Hosea, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Acts, Romans, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, Jude, Revelation, it all, it all points to Jesus. So we have a, 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 a children's storybook Bible, which we love. It's called the, the, the Big Picture Story Bible. And the, the byline of this Bible is, the, the, little sub, the subheading is, Every story whispers his name. Every book in the Bible whispers the name of Jesus. Say, wait, can you prove that? Well, this is what the Bible says over in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, Jesus is walking with his disciples after his resurrection. And they did not know Jesus was resurrected. And he, he disguised himself. They didn't know it was him. He had some things he wanted to teach them. And they're walking on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And these disciples are downcast. They knew Jesus Christ had been crucified. They heard he was resurrected. They didn't understand it all. And, and so they're heavy hearted. And Jesus, walking along with them, decides to have a Bible study with them. And by the way, if there's one place I could have been in Bible history, out of all the different stories of the God's Word, I would love to have been there on that road to Emmaus and heard Jesus teach the Old Testament. Because it says, starting with Moses and the prophets, Jesus began to teach them the things, listen, concerning himself. He began to show them how the Old Testament pointed to his redemptive work. Can you imagine how amazing it would have been to hear that Bible study from the lips of Jesus Christ himself? As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ was revealed to them as being Jesus Christ, and he left the disciples, they said, Hey, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was teaching us on the road? And so... He showed them from all the Bible, the Old Testament, it all pointed to him. And over in John chapter 5, 39 and 40, Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees. He says, hey, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. In other words, he was saying to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, you think because you know your Bible you're going to heaven. Hey, quick, look at me real quick. 
Knowing your Bible doesn't get you to heaven. There are people out there who are Bible scholars. They know more Bible than you and I combined. And they are lost and far from God. Bible knowledge is not what saves you. Jesus saves you. You you can know your Bible really, really well and be headed for eternity in hell. And so Jesus says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, you memorize them, you read them because you think that because you know your Bible well, you have eternal life. But Jesus said this, it is these scriptures that testify of me. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you are missing the point of the Bible. And if you read your Bible and you don't see Jesus Christ and his redemptive work exalted, you are missing the point of the Bible. It's one big story that culminates in the finished work of Christ. So what's the Bible about? It's about the person and the saving work of Jesus Christ. That's the culmination of God's word. It all points to him. Every story whispers his name. Which leads to the third question. This is where it gets into our, our habits, our, 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 our daily walk with God. What happens when we know and obey God's word? What happens when we know and obey God's word? I want to show you how your interaction with the scriptures directly impacts your interaction with the triune God. So three things, at least three things, happen when you know and obey God's Word. Hey, real quickly, to know God's Word, you got to read God's Word. Amen? Whoa, okay, let's try that again. Uh, to, to know God's Word, you got to read God's Word. Amen? you got to read it. I mean, if you don't read it, you're not going to know it. And, and you have people that think that they're going to walk closely with God and their Bible's collecting dust on the shelf. They are kidding themselves. So here's what happens when you know and obey God's word. Number one, we open the door to closer fellowship with the Father. Look what it says over in John chapter 14. Really powerful verses this morning. John chapter 14. Verse 21. This is again Jesus teaching on the night in which he was betrayed. John 14, 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. So he knows what I say, he knows what I expect, he knows what I command, and he does what I expect and command. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. Hey, by the way, how many of you understand that God is not just looking for hearers of the word, he wants hearers and doers of the word. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, another Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. Watch this. And we will come to him. Jesus the Son, God the Father, we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus here is saying there's a special level of intimacy with the Father for those that know God's Word and do it. It's as if, listen to me, 
It's as if you are opening the doors of your life and saying, Father, I want to know you more. I want more of you. I want to be closer to you. Now, if we did a quick survey of the room, many of you would say, God is my Father. And you'd be grateful about that reality. But how many of you are seeking to be closer and closer to the Father? Can I just tell you as a father of four how much it means to me when one of my kids comes and climbs in my lap just to spend time with dad? It means a, it means a lot, right? Parents, it means a lot. And reading your Bible is like climbing into your father's lap. It's like saying, I want to know you more, Father. I want to experience you in a greater way. I want to open up the doors of my life, and I want you to come in and make your home with me. When you read and obey God's Word, that's what happens. You get to know the Father better. He draws near in just a really special way in which we can't even fully articulate. And so... When we know and obey God's word, we open the door to closer fellowship with the Father. Here's the second thing that happens. When we know and obey God's word, we show our love to the Son. John 14, 15. Did you you catch it? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying, the way that you express your love to me is by doing what I tell you to do. Now, back to the parent-child illustration. Let's just say that your child walked in the room and said, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're a great parent. I love you, I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you so much. And you say, well, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you love me. Now, listen, I I walked by your room recently, and it's really, really dirty. So would you go clean your room? They say, well, no, but I love you. I love you so much. Now, in that moment, would you feel loved as a parent? No, you'd feel disrespected, wouldn't you? But isn't that how a lot of us treat God? We come to church. I love you. I love you so much. I'm running to your arms, right? I'm running to your arms. And yet there are vast areas of disobedience in our lives. And it's as if the Lord's saying, hey, if you love me, do what I tell you to do. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. How can we even begin to show our love and gratitude to Jesus? Obedience, knowing God's word, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, meditating upon it so that we can do it. I was reading my quiet time this past week from Luke chapter 11. And in Luke 11, Jesus Christ is teaching some wonderful passages about just just following him. And a woman cries out in the crowd, Blessed is the womb that bore you. Your mom must be a really special person to to give birth to such a wonderful Bible teacher. You know what Jesus said to her? And to the crowd, Jesus said, If you want to know what real blessedness is, Jesus said, Blessed is the one who hears my word and keeps it. That's real blessing. And so when you read your Bible and you do what the Bible says, you are showing your love to the Son. You're saying, Jesus, I love you so much 
I'm going to take your word seriously. I love you so much, I'm going to let your word shape my life. That's how you show your love to Jesus. Third, what happens when you know and obey God's word? We experience the Holy Spirit. Look in John 14, verse 25 with me. John 14, verse 25. These things, Jesus says, I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So he's speaking here of the daily ministry of the Spirit in the believer's life of teaching us truth. He, He takes us to the Word and he helps us to understand the word. Look in John 16. John 16. Verse 13. We read it earlier. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look what it says in verse 10. These things, and I believe that these things refers to the fullness of the gospel. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. The third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And he says there, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, without the Holy Spirit actively at work in your life, you cannot understand God's truth. The Holy Spirit helps you as a believer in Christ, as the one who indwells you. He helps you to understand, to grasp God's Word. Now, how do we experience the Holy Spirit when we read and do God's Word? Number one, the Holy Spirit gives us illumination. I just read it in 1 Corinthians 2. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes of your heart that you can understand what you're reading. There's a prayer I pray uh, almost every time I read my Bible. It's found over in Psalm 119, verse 11. In Psalm 119, verse 11, the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold... I'm sorry, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. In other words, the psalmist is saying, As I read and study the word, would you illuminate what I'm reading? Would you open my eyes that I can understand what I'm reading? This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you read God's word and you grasp it, it's because the Holy Spirit is doing a teaching work, an illuminating work in your life. I read a story about a well-known Bible teacher from from, uh, last century named Harry Ironside. He tells of meeting a very godly man early in his ministry. So Harry Ironside was a young man at the time this story happened. He had been called to to preach the gospel. He's looking for some insight into being a great gospel preacher and he met this man who was dying of tuberculosis. And Ironside had gone to visit him. The man's name was Andrew Frazier. Because of the tuberculosis, he could barely speak above a whisper. His lungs were almost gone. 
Yet he said to Ironside, young man, you are trying to preach Christ, are you not? To which Ironside replied, yes, I am. Well, he said, sit down a little and let us talk together about the word of God. And this old seasoned Bible teacher opened his Bible and until his strength was gone, he opened up one passage after another teaching truths that Ironside at that time had never seen or appreciated. Before long in this Bible study, tears are streaming down Ironside's cheeks. He'd never heard someone teach the Word with this kind of clarity and this kind of power. He sees the the man's insights into the Scriptures. He's just overcome with emotion and, and tears are streaming down his face. And Ironside asked the old man this question, Where did you get these things? Can you tell me where I can find a book that will open them up to me? Did you get them in seminary or, or college? And listen to how Frazier replied to this question. My dear young man, I learned these things on my knees on the mud floor of a little sod cottage in the north of Ireland. There with my open Bible before me, I used to kneel for hours at a time and ask the Spirit of God to reveal Christ to my soul and to open the Word to my heart. And He taught me more on my knees on that mud floor than I could have ever learned in all the seminaries or colleges in the world. And He said, that is the secret. Ironside understood that is the secret. It's not intelligence or outstanding instruction or academic degrees. It is time spent with God. It is is people who sit at the feet of Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit open their heart to the truth of God's Word. I want you to know there are people, and I I value education, of course I value education. I I value theological education. I've been a, a product of theological education, and I'm grateful for that time. But I want you to understand there are people with all sorts of letters behind their name who really know a lot of academic information about God's Word and they are far from God. And there are people with very little education who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And they've been walking with God for years and the Holy Spirit has been their teacher. And those folks are rich in God's wisdom and truth. They know the Bible. And they know the God of the Bible because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in them as they read God's Word. Amen? And so this level of experiencing the illuminating power of the Spirit is not just for, for folks that have gone to seminary. Not just for preachers or teachers. This is for everybody that's saved. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. And if you'll read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will open your eyes. You will experience the Holy Spirit in a very powerful way. Not only does the Holy Spirit give us the gift of illumination, the Holy Spirit gives us inclination. Over in Psalm 119, look what it says in Psalm 119, verse 36. This will be the last verse we look at. Psalm 119, verse 36. The psalmist here says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. So not only do I want to understand your word, I want to desire to to respond to what I learn. I, I desire obedience. And so 
would you illuminate me, but also would you incline my heart to respond to what I've been reading? And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. Not only does the Holy Spirit help you to understand His truth, the Holy Spirit inclines your heart to want to obey the truth you've learned. Amen? You ever been in a, a church service or a connect group class or some Bible study somewhere and, and you've been learning God's Word, the Bible's been opened up for you, and you leave and your heart's on fire? You ever, you ever been, everybody raise your hand if you ever had that happen to you. Hopefully you've had that happen to you. All right. Your heart's on fire, right? Man, you're, you're, you're fired up. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit inclining your heart to respond to what you've heard. That's the work of the Spirit. So if you want to have your heart on fire, read the Bible. Take the Bible seriously. And the Holy Spirit will fill up your life, help you understand, and give you the desire to do what you've read. Give you the desire to be more than just a hearer, to be a doer. The Holy Spirit gives us inclination. So you see what happens when it comes to the Bible and the Trinity? When you take your Bible seriously, when you read it and study it and memorize it and meditate upon it and, and spend time learning it and you seek to obey it, you experience a growing intimacy with the Father. You show your love to your Savior, Jesus Christ, and you experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a very real way. Now, now what I see in our culture is people building their Christian lives on experiences with God. In other words, they need to have a certain type of emotionalism in their worship or, or a certain type of, of setting to, to really uh, let their feelings overflow so they can experience God in a, in a, in a really special way. And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but let me just say it like this. If you want to experience God, read your Bible. Amen? If you want to experience, I mean, if you really want the power of God in your life, I mean, if you really want to experience Him in a very close way, read your Bible and start doing what you read. And you will experience God in a way that you can't even imagine. A closeness, an intimacy with him that, that will rock your world. So if you want to experience the, the, the God of the Bible, read his word. Here's the point. We're going to walk away with this. How would you sum up this message about the Trinity and the word of God? You ready? Here it is. The Bible is God's word that is ultimately focused upon Jesus Christ and is given, understood, and obeyed by the power of the Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead are involved in giving us the Word of God and we experience all three persons of the Godhead when we take the Word of God seriously. And so that Bible on your lap, that Bible on your phone or your tablet, it's not just some ancient religious manual. It is the key to experiencing God. May we love and cherish the Word of God so that we can love and cherish the God of the Word. Amen?